Hey, this is Fox Nation host Tommy Laren, and if you want to learn how to successfully build professional relationships, you should be listening to the Build Your Network podcast with my good friend, Travis Chappell. From World Class Media, this is World Class. I'm your host, Travis Chappell. Here on World Class, we combine value, entertainment, and behind-the-scenes insights to bring you the most comprehensive view of what it takes to become world-class in what you do. Listen in every week as I have conversations with top business leaders, journalists, hostage negotiators, authors, comedians, producers, you name it. If they're the best at what they do, I'll have a chat with them. I believe that the best way to become world-class is to learn from those who already are. And that's exactly what we do here on the show. You'll learn the skills that you need to master, the mindset that you need to adopt, the work you need to put in, all from people who have walked the road before you. So get ready to learn, be motivated, and most importantly, have a good time because you're listening to World Class. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to this inaugural episode of World Class. I could not be more excited for the launch of the show on YouTube and over on Apple Podcasts, as well as all the other podcasting platforms. Uh, thank you so much for tuning in to this initial episode, and I can't wait to bring on my guest today. Her name is Tommy Laren. Uh, we actually flew all the way out to New York City, uh, my producer Eric and I, and we went to Fox News headquarters, sat down in studio with Tommy, had an amazing conversation, and uh, I can't wait for you guys to hear everything that we get into. Just a couple of the things that we talk about. We talk about how she landed such a coveted, um, you know, public job at such a young age. At the, you know, she was 26. We started working for Fox. She's 27 now. We talk actually talk a little bit about that because we happen to be 20 days apart. Go figure in in uh, the the year that we were born, which made me really really feel behind on where I am in my life. But anyway, that's a that's a conversation for a, a different time. Um, we talk about uh, being a polarizing figure in the world and how she deals with uh, the negativity that's that's thrown at her, literally thrown at her sometimes. Uh, people throwing water at her and and pouring beer down her back and uh, different things like that. How she deals with those types of things, and of course, we talk about the dedication, the consistent consistency that it takes. Uh, uh, to become world-class. Um, and look, guys, this is kind of a polarizing in interview to start with just because um, it's with a political commentator. But wherever you land on the political spectrum, which, whatever side of the fence that you're on, um, you got to be able to respect somebody who has gone out and um, made something of themselves, especially from absolutely nothing, being raised where she was with the family that she had. She's done so much at such a young age, and I think that's uh, something to respect. I don't even agree with a lot of her political views, but I can at least respect all the things that she's done, and I can learn from the amazing things that she has done at such a young age. So guys, can't wait for you to get into this episode. So without further ado, here's Tommy Laren. I'm really excited to be here in New York City. Haven't been out here in a long time, and uh, to interview somebody that I've been uh, just kind of studying her stuff, looking at the content that she puts out there and thinking like, man, one of these days I'm going to have to fly out. We're going to have to sit down and have a discussion. So welcome to the show, Tommy Laren. Good to be here. I'm actually not from New York either. So yeah, I, I live in LA. That. So I live I in LA. Coasts. That's what I was wondering. I was like, when we were reaching out, trying to schedule this, I was like, um, doesn't she live in LA? Cause I'm in Vegas. So oh, okay. yes, I'm so born were and raised closer. in LA. Yeah. Mm -hmm. When you know, I went to school in Vegas. Yeah. So right. you and you I have that in common a yeah. little bit. Yeah. That was great. Like when we were talking about before we hit the record button, I was messing around with my um, my media guy because I was like, man, we just have so much in common. Like Las Vegas plus 
same birth year, yep. like 20 days apart. I was just like, man, this is, this is meant to be. And he was like, don't pull that BS, <laughs> like, <laughs> like trying to find common ground initially. We can all find common ground. I think that's what's important about all these discussions. There's a lot of synergy between all of us, even if we don't necessarily know it offhand. Right, right. So, okay. Bunch of stuff that I want to get into with you, but let's first of all go back and build a little bit of context for like the three people out there who may not know who you are. Um, let's go back to like early childhood Tommies. I know in college you were already kind of heading toward this journalism path, um, which I think is really commendable to have that type of clarity at that age. So um, talk to me about like, you know, fifth grade, sixth grade, Tommy, what exactly were you doing at that point? Was any of this anything that you thought you'd be doing in the future? Or were you just like, man, I got to go to school and get good grades and stuff like that? I was always very determined to anything I did, do it well. So school was always very important to me. Leadership roles in school were always very important to me. Student council, just class president, things like that, the, the nerd. Um, but I was always someone who liked to talk to people. So you typically have your, your more academic types that keep to themselves, but I've always been opinionated. I've always enjoyed conversation. I've always enjoyed getting into things that you're told to stay away from. So religion and politics is something that I've always liked to talk about, as well as just different personality traits that sometimes you don't get into with people has always been interesting to me. Human interaction has always been interesting to me. Observing the way people act in certain environments and the way they believe and their value set, that's always been interesting to me. But I was born and raised in middle America in South Dakota. Booming town. Yeah, yeah. I mean, actually it is now. So all the Californians are fleeing to places like where I'm from that's because true. they're still sustainable. But, you know, I grew up in a very blue-collar family. Both my parents worked my entire life and I was an only child. Um, I spent a lot of time talking to adults because I was an only child and I lived in the country. So that's kind of what, to me, formed my speaking style and my articulation is because I spent a lot of time watching TV. I spent a lot of time watching news and having discussions about news was something that was always important to me. I always had an opinion and my parents always tried to cultivate an opinion that wasn't their own, but just having me watch things, observe things, and then talk about them was always just kind of a part of our household. Being an only child living out in the country, you spend a lot of time talking to your parents and you spend a lot of time with outside you know, stimuli as far as learning about the rest of the country. Because when you're in middle America, sometimes you feel like you're forgotten and you look to the coasts for what's leading the charge. And I always did that. When you were in that type of a context growing up, how, how do you think that helped shape some of the views and opinions that you have now? Well, I grew up in a conservative place, but not necessarily even just a conservative place politically, but just a place that was very much hardworking. Both my parents come from ranching backgrounds, working not only in the professional world, but also working in farms and ranches their entire lives. I mean, Real that's work. that's just something that they grew up right. doing. It wasn't a, oh, I'm going to get a high school job. It was you start at age six, you go and you work on the ranch, you get home from school, you go back out and you ranch. I mean, right. it was a lifestyle that my parents both led. So hard work was always something that was just built built into me and built into my family. And really, a lot of families in middle America share that same kind of story, whether it be agriculture or whatever they do. It's just you work hard. You don't ask for anything from anybody. If you want something, you make it happen. And that's something that's always been instilled in me. If I wanted something in this world, especially coming from a place like where I come from in South Dakota, you're going to have to stand out and you're going to have to do it yourself because nobody's going to come find you in Rapid City, South Dakota and say, mm -hmm. what are your dreams? What do you want to do? Do you want to be a movie star? Do you want to be on TV? Nobody's going to do that. If you want that path for yourself, you're really going to have to chart it. And I've always known that and started working on that from a young age. So you did know that that was the path that you wanted to go down? I knew I wanted to do something that involved speaking, something that involved 
public speaking and also I have always been interested in politics. It's something I've always wanted to talk about. That's so interesting. What, like, I, I, I mean, I have some friends that are, you know, only child and like oh, they would just play video games right. <laughs> instead. Like just not to share stuff, right? So like right. that didn't obviously directly translate into like this need to be in the political sphere. For for somebody like, I, all I know is when my parents have Fox News on growing up all the time, I was always like, oh, can we turn it to SpongeBob or whatever, yeah. you know? So like, why do you think that was something that just caught your attention so much? I think some people know what they're good at at a young age. Some people know that they're musically inclined. Some people know that they're athletic. Some people just go through the motions of doing those things because that's what you're supposed to do. And I always knew that, listen, I, I can't sing. I don't really enjoy playing instruments, although I played a lot of instruments. I got bored with them. Uh, I like things that are ever-changing. I was never very athletic, and that's not something I ever really wanted to do. And if I'm going to do something, it's a personality trait that I think is a strength and a weakness, but if I want to do something, I want to be the best at it. And this is something I knew I could be the best at. I knew I can speak better than anybody. I know I can explain things better than anybody, and I know that I'm more passionate about this topic than anyone else around me, especially at a young age. So I saw myself being able to really make an impact in something that no one else really seemed to care about, but I did, and I know if no one else is doing it, I guess I'm automatically the best. So now it's just refining the craft and being able to you know, run with it. So was it your goal to, as soon as you turn 18, to head to one of the coasts? Or was it kind of like this methodical process that you went through of like, what's the best path? Does it lead to one of the coasts? Should I start with local news here? Was there any, like, what, talk to me about that, that thought process. I never wanted to do local news. I never wanted to be a reporter. I always wanted to be opinion-based. I always wanted commentary. to do commentary. Absolutely. That's something that I loved. And in fact, my life <laughs> kind of came full circle because I grew up watching Glenn Beck and watching, you know, what he was able to do and watching his ability to tell stories and to explain things. And it, that was very inspiring to me. It's always something that I wanted to do. But I knew I didn't want to be in South Dakota, not because South Dakota is not a great place, but because there's not really a market for what I wanted to do. But I was going to pay for college myself, so I'm not going to go to California. I'm not going to go to the East Coast. Las Vegas seemed like a good place that I could go. Shout that out to had Las Vegas. It. Yeah, exactly. And it, as you know, Vegas is very unconventional. Yeah. I am very attracted to things that are outside of the box that are unconventional. Yeah. Anyone can go to school in California. Anyone can go to school in New York or one of the big state schools. But I thought, what's the most interesting place that I could go that would be really unlike anybody else? And it was Las Vegas. Interesting is the word. Yeah, that's a good word choice there. And it, it threw me out of my comfort zone, too, which is sure, something I yeah. knew I needed. I could have gone to school in South Dakota and been around people that are mostly conservative, who grew up in much a similar way than me. But I went to Las Vegas, which, as you know, is incredibly diverse, not only politically, ethnically, religiously, racially. And UNLV itself is also a very different environment with that proximity to the Strip. Yeah. That kind of money, I mean, 3.7 miles of just money, 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 money and influence. That was always interesting to me. Talk to me about the first experience that you had when you started real, like obviously you know that other people hold different opinions than you have. I, I just remember the first time that I really started realizing those things because I grew up in Southern California, LA area, but in a very strict, small religious bubble of Southern California. So to give you an idea of like a little bit of context here, um, I graduated kindergarten, eighth grade, high school and college on the same campus, like the same 20 acre campus. So from the time I was three to the time I was 21, that's where we also went to church. So like every day of my life for like 20 years was on this one, you know, 20 wow. acre parcel of land in Lancaster, California, Northern LA County. Growing up, it was always Fox News, it was always, you know, all conservative things. And I just remember, I remember growing up, like you, you always just kind of lump everybody who doesn't agree with everything that you think and just call them 
like morons, you know, right? Like <laughs> these people, they're morons. <laughs> but it's because I never met anybody like that. And when you get out into the real world and you start to communicate with people, you start really realizing they're like, oh, this person's not dumb. They just hold a different viewpoint, a different perspective than I have. Talk to me about the first time that you had an experience where like you were in college and you started getting to know people and building relationships and friendships with people that held completely different opposing views you know, that, that you had, but you realized like, oh, I can actually still be friends with people and right. we can find that common ground. Well, for me, I never went into it thinking that everyone thought like I did. I knew that I came from a place that people were conservative, but I spent a lot of time watching news. So I was very aware. It wasn't a shock to me to go someplace to speak to people who had diverse political opinions from my own. I almost expected that. In fact, I did expect that. So what was actually more interesting to me was that me coming from a place like South Dakota, people thought things about me just inherently. Mm -hmm. yeah. Because what I have learned, and Vegas is not the coast, but there's a lot of California influence, of oh, course, yeah. in Las Vegas, and now especially living in LA, what I realize is what you're saying, what you think people like South Dakota would be in this little bubble, I find people in LA, in New York, they're the ones that are in this bubble who think that people from middle America and people from the South are automatically racist, intolerant, bigoted, closed-minded, dumb. Close -minded, dumb. Yeah. Um, and it couldn't be further from the truth because we actually are very aware that there's a big world outside of where we live. I was always aware of that. Yeah. And so for me, it was about exploring that. But it was also about explaining to people that, yes, this is where I'm from. I'm proud of where I'm from. But please understand that there are also other beliefs outside of your own. So for me, it was more about explaining that and trying to explain middle America to places that never really cared about middle America. And I feel like I still do that. That's sure. part of my driving force and my goal is to get people to understand the forgotten American middle America, not just middle America geographically, but just middle America in general. I feel like we're oftentimes forgotten and pushed aside. Yeah. And part of what I do on, on Fox and Fox Nation and part of what Fox News Channel as a whole has always done is speak to those people mm -hmm. that I always wanted to speak to too because I'm one of them. So shifting gears a little bit here, talk to me about college experience for you. Was it pretty traditional college experience. <laughs> Vegas is not a traditional college experience. Okay. Uh, for me though, I worked all through college okay. because I, you know, yeah. I had to pay retail. And retail, I learned a lot from retail. I think everybody should have to work a retailer or a service job because that's what I did. I went to school and then I went to work. And you got, you know, you, I learned at a young age, you have to pay your rent. And you know, if you wanna live in Las Vegas and you wanna live in your own apartment, you're gonna have to pay for that. So I worked hard. I worked in retail. So off campus. Yes, yes, yeah, I did. Cause I, you know, independence is always, nope. <laughs> On my own, independence was always very important to me. And I, I worked through college and I always knew what I wanted to do after college. But for me, college was about you got to get yourself through it and pay for it. And it, I've always been very, very crystal clear focused. There wasn't a lot of like, oh, let's no. figure out who I am no. type stuff. I knew I've always known kind of exactly who I am. And of course, you change and you evolve. But I always knew what was important to me. And I didn't spend college like a lot of people spend college partying and, and doing this and that. Not that there's anything wrong with it, that's a great time for some people, but for me, I always look beyond it. In high school, same thing. Never wanted to party, never wanted to really go out there and get in trouble. Didn't want to do that in college either because I had a goal that I knew was beyond that. And I knew that I had to have a laser focus, which would give me an edge. A lot of times, if you choose not to do the fun things and you make those sacrifices, then you might not have as much fun when you're 19, 20, 21. But here I sit at 27, being able to do the things that I want to do, being able to live the lifestyle I want to live, and doing the job that I've always wanted to have because I sacrificed 
going to parties and having fun during those years. And it really doesn't matter what age you are, but sometimes the sacrifice is worth the payout. And if you have that focus and you see things a mile in front of you instead of right here, then that's going to be a payout for you no matter what you do. Yeah, I would say that most of the time the sacrifice is worth the payoff, uh, just right. to, depending on if the payoff matters to you or not. Because I think a lot of people get so caught up in the rat race of like achieving, achieving, mm -hmm. achieving, achieving, they never actually sit down and get clarity around like, oh, I actually didn't want this at all. Right. You know, like you do all this work to you do these, you make these sacrifices and you climb this mountain and you end up at the top of the mountain and then you like look over at the mountain next to you and you're like, actually, I kind of wanted to be on that mountain, right? right? So how do you, as a young person, kind of dive into finding what is that path for me? Like how, how do I find out what I want and then go get it? For me, and what I tell a lot of young people who are unclear as to what they want to do, because not everyone is blessed with having that clarity, is find what you're passionate about and then find how to make money doing that. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and then be the best at it. Because everybody, you know, I, locked, I talked to a lot of people that were in journalism as well, and you ask them what do they want to do, and they go, oh, I want to be a fashion reporter, I want to be a sports reporter, I want to be on E! News. Yeah, you and everybody else. Yeah, right. You and every other pretty girl out there wants to do that. What are you going to do to give yourself the edge? Because you're going to have to work harder. If you're in a field that everybody wants to be in, what are you going to do yep. to separate yourself? For me, it was, I knew I wanted to do politics. I know not everybody wanted to do politics. Not everyone was interested in politics. Not everybody could talk about politics the way I could talk about politics. So this is what I've always wanted to do. But no matter what you're passionate about, I think that that's really the most gratifying thing in life is being able to find a way to make a living doing something that you truly love. Yeah. Not everybody is blessed to have that, but for young people, I think they think that that's just going to come to them if they have a degree. Not so. You're going to have to work harder. Nobody's going to bang down your door to be giving you a job. I don't care how smart you are. I don't care how pretty you are. I don't care how well connected you are. Life is not going to work for you if you don't work hard. End of story. It's funny. I was just having this conversation with a, a guy who's actually a, a, a producer in Hollywood. And uh, uh, we we're talking a little bit about you know everything that happened with Kobe Bryant recently. And I'm a big Cowboys fan, and so uh, Jason Witten is like my favorite Cowboy of all time. He's and actually a friend of mine. I'm a Cowboys really? fan as well. Tony oh, and I are goodness. actually friends as well. Oh, my Dallas yeah. days, yes, oh, no. all coming um, full we're, circle. We're gonna have to have conversations yeah. about that. Yeah. Um, so he's, you know, my all-time favorite Cowboy, and uh, he posted something when 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 uh, Kobe passed, and what he was saying basically was that that the one thing that they were able to agree on every time that they had conversations and that that uh, that they wanted to work on things together with this one thing is uh, Jason Witten, the way that he puts it, he says, you can't cheat the muse. Like yep. you, it doesn't matter. Like what you're saying, like you could be the most talented person. You could be the best looking, you could have the connections. You could, you could be born into whatever it is. But like at the end of the day, if you want to be great, if you want to be the best, you cannot cheat the work. You have to put in the work. So that's definitely something that we can agree on there. Um, and you, you, have to, you have to be willing to put in that work. And I think uh, for, for people out there that are listening that aren't sure about what that path is and are just like, man, well, what happens if I do all this work in this wrong direction? I think that's kind of part of the process, in my, in my opinion, um, is if you don't have clarity like, like you had, you know, you can just kind of just kind of got to start going and doing things. And, and doing stuff that you don't want to do is great. I interned for a congresswoman when I was in college, and I realized I don't want to be in politics. I want to talk about politics, but this side of it, I never want to do. Working in retail all through college, I obviously knew that retail wasn't what I wanted to do. I knew that that's what I needed to do, and I was going to be the best at it, by the way. I think a lot of young people, where they also fall short, is that if they're doing something that they don't necessarily love, they're doing something that maybe they have to do to get a paycheck or to pay 
the rent that they're just going to half-ass it. Right, they're and, on their phones. Uh, yeah, and yeah. I tell people, this might not be the job that you want, but I can tell you this, I learned more working in retail than a lot of the classes I took and paid for in college. Yeah. What I learned working in retail was that you work hard, you put a smile on your face, and you act like you wanna be there even on days when you don't. Mm. Because I was gonna do what I needed to do, I was gonna provide the best customer service, and I was gonna be that number one employee. No matter if it was selling jeans yeah. or working at Fox News, I will be your number one employee yeah. because I will put in the work. And that follows through. So no, I did not want to work in retail. My, jo my, my dream job was not to be the manager of Express yeah. in Town Square, Las Vegas. But I'll tell you this, everybody that walked in, even if I was having a bad day, they would think that I loved my job. And that is the goal. You put in the maximum amount of effort into everything that you do, whether you enjoy it or not, and you'll see the payout. So young people, it's like, oh, well, I, I don't have this job, so I'm just gonna kinda not really work too hard. Well, what if one day the owner of that company walks in right. and yeah. you're slacking, or what if you're working really hard, they might've taken notice of you and you might've been promoted or they might've flagged you as someone that had potential. Right. You just never know. So you better be putting in 100% even when you don't want to. Yeah, my first foray into having a career, so to speak, was in door-to-door -door sales. So it was very much the same thing, you know, 100% commission, door-to-door -door sales. You can't just decide to show up one day and half-ass it because mm -hmm. if you half-ass it on the doors, you don't get a paycheck on Friday, you know, yep. like you have to show up and you have to put in the work and you have to learn how to communicate with people even when you're having a bad day, even when you just got a bad phone call, you just got to turn off the phone, change your mindset, get out and go knock on some doors. And uh, so I couldn't agree with you more there. And I think the biggest principle here though is that it's not necessarily about like the job that you're working or, or the career that you want in the future. It's just about building the habit of being excellent. And if you allow yourself, like every time we make a decision like that or don't make a decision that we know we should make, we're building a reputation in our own subconscious mind that tells us that we can either accomplish something or we can't accomplish something. And when you are in a situation that you don't wanna be in and you know that like consciously, and so you let you know whatever you know happen happen and you're on your phone all the time and you're being a bad employee, then during those situations, you, what you're essentially telling yourself is like, oh, it's okay to not be good because of like all of this laundry list of excuses that I've like allowed myself to start thinking. So then what happens is if you do get that big opportunity to do the thing that you really enjoy doing, you've, you have to go to work breaking all of the bad habits yep. that you've built for the last decade of doing a bunch of stuff that you just had to do until you got the big opportunity. And then you're not gonna be able to capitalize on the big opportunity because exactly. you're not the person that you should be. Like you haven't done the work to become the type of person that's able to thrive in the opportunity that you wanted in the first place. You train yourself. You train yourself to be excellent and you're also able to figure things out. Then when you're given that big opportunity and things don't go exactly the way you planned, you have that work ethic to fall back on and you can get yourself through problems. Yeah. You can problem solve. But if you only work hard and you only enjoy the things that you wanna do, which by the way, for all the young people out there that think that they're just gonna magically one day be a YouTube influencer, <laughs> I hate to tell you, but you and everybody else around you think that that's reality right. and it's not. Yeah. And if you don't want to put in the work, maybe you will be a YouTube influencer. But if that's what you're banking on and you're not going to work hard at anything else to get yourself there. Yeah, or you're not going to work hard at that thing. You exactly. Know, like they just want to be like, oh, well, you know, I want to be a YouTube influencer. And I put out five videos, but nobody watched them. And it's like, maybe you should put out 5,000 videos right. and see what happens. Like, maybe because right now you still suck. Like, yeah. maybe you just haven't put in the reps 
to deserve that. Like even if you had a million people that came in and subscribed to your channel or you took over a channel, maybe that's a better example, you took over somebody else's channel that had a million subscribers, you would lose all of them because you suck. <laughs> like you it's, have to put in the reps. It's being good time and time again. Right. But also to the people that wanna make videos on YouTube, that's great, but you maybe should go get a job in retail on the side yeah. because you're gonna have to pay your bills. That's yeah. always been in the back of my mind is my parents are not gonna pay my bills. Sure. Yeah. They love me, they support me. They're not gonna pay my bills. And thank goodness they didn't because this is why I am the way that I am now and I have that hunger. That entitlement mentality that I deserve this because I'm alive, yeah. not because I actually did anything to actually yeah, exactly. deserve it yeah right yeah. okay so um college talk to me about like transition from you know working retail uh, put, doing work in, in school into the you know actual career type world well, I started doing a political roundtable show called The Scramble at UNLV. Uh, I was on the show as a panelist during the 2012 election. And then after that, I took over hosting duties and producing duties of that. So I learned how to do TV and I learned how to do commentary. I learned how to book guests on my own. And real quick, The Scramble, I would assume just from the name would mean that there was like multiple political views yes. on this panel. And that was always the goal. So for me, and it's very hard to get college kids in Las Vegas, especially Las Vegas, if anybody who is any idea of what Las Vegas is like at all it is very flaky so it was me having to say we're shooting this on Friday morning which by the way we don't have classes on Friday so you're gonna have to come in and do this and I need you to come in and discuss this and have a viewpoint on this and me just calling people emailing people can you please come in I know that you are of this political persuasion I know that you're a political science major can you please come and be a guest and it was just calling 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 trying to get those people to show up. And really? it's it's really motivating other people too. And that's where I had that background. So then when I went into my first job at One American News at age 21, and they said, do an hour long show, I wasn't a deer in the headlights because I was like, yeah, I'm used to this. Yeah. Let me find some guests. Oh, nobody knows who you are. Nobody wants to come on a show no one's ever heard of with a girl they've never heard of who's 21 years old on a network called One American News. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> but guess what? I've been training for this. I know how to do this. Yeah. I know how to do this, and I've built those connections through my entire career. So I've had people that have, have come on my show, both of The Blaze and then now people that I reach out to for Fox and Fox Nation-related things, that I cultivated those relationships when I was at One American News as a nobody. How did you get the job at One American News? I wanted an internship. Um, at first, I applied for an internship at The Blaze, and I didn't get it. Uh, then I was looking for Wait, other. So you didn't just quit and do yeah, something exactly, different at that right? point. Yeah, exactly. Right. Then it's like, oh, well, and I thought I was going to get it too. So that was a very devastating thing for me because all indications sure. pointed to. And watching Glenn Beck growing up, yeah. your whole life, and, and like, this I is just a, thought this is, this is it. Yeah. What he was able to do, like I love anybody that thinks outside of the box and kind of does their own thing. So I thought the Blaze would be a great spot for me. I like building things from the ground up. That's another reason why I was the first one in the door at Fox Nation because I like to build things up. But I found another network that was a conservative news network and I thought, well, hey, if I, I'm obviously not gonna go to Fox News. That's way high up on the totem pole, right? I hope to get there someday, but I know myself and I know my qualifications and I'm very realistic. So I'm not gonna go here. Where else can I go to learn? And I found One American News. I wanted to be an intern. They didn't take interns. Real quick, sorry to, to interrupt you. Um, that's such an amazing insight for a 21 year old to have because most 21 year olds are in the mindset of like I'm amazing at everything everybody should right. give me the world right so why do you think that you had that like that ability to stand up at 21 year old 21 years old and have the self-awareness to say you know what I am not there yet I will be one day but right mm -hmm. now like I'm gonna go kill whatever I'm gonna do right now and it's probably not gonna be over here it's probably gonna be over here for me kind of going back to when I was very young and knowing that politics was something that not everybody else did I like getting in on the ground level of things and building them. 
I'd rather go in and build something than walk into something that's already built. Mm -hmm. So for me, I'm going to have the opportunity to stand out rather than being an intern at a huge network. I thought, I could probably more than that if I go to a place nobody's ever heard of and I can maybe make a name for myself mm -hmm. there. Maybe I can do it when there's not a lot of structure, there's not a lot of uh, really things built already, yeah. but I can build them. And these were all just really theories that you had, right? Yeah, like, but I also, I just kind of knew it. Like, I know I'm gonna make things work. That is one thing I know about myself, no matter what, and I've been through a lot in my, my career. I am not that old, but I have been through the ringer, and I'm sure we'll talk about it, but I have been through the ringer in this career. Mm -hmm. But one thing I've always known is I will make it work. There is no, oh, well, maybe I won't. Oh, well, maybe I'll just kind of take a break. Maybe I'll just, hopefully something will work out. Sure. I know I will not fail. Because I will if. not stop. I will not stop. Yeah. That's just one thing. It's I'm resilient and I'm relentless. That's what I love. Yeah, yeah. So that, that's what I, the way that I tell people is like, it's not an if, it's an until. Mm -hmm. Like it's until I see success in this thing. It's not an if I see success right. in this. And the, to your point about the YouTubing and podcasting stuff, like that was how it was for me in, in this world. It was very much like, it's not an if, it's not like a one day, if I get a certain amount of listeners or downloads or whatever, then I'll keep going. It was like, I will keep going until I see the results that I want to see. It's non-negotiable. But the, there's true freedom in committing at that level, right? Because then mm -hmm. there's no other options. You don't give yourself that escape route that says like, oh, well, you know, I didn't get that job at the place, so back to retail it is, they offered right. me a management position when I was about to leave, so I may as well just yeah. go take them up on that, right? Like you are committed and have that laser focus that takes you into the next part of your career until you make it happen. Not a, like, oh, we'll see, maybe. And for me, I always knew what my skill set was. So in this industry, in the industry that you're also in, people can take a lot of things from you, but they cannot take your work ethic and they cannot take my skill set away. I will always have that, I will always retain that because nobody built it for me, nobody handed it to me. I built this on my own. I built the following on my own. I built the commentary on my own. I built the personality that I'm able to really foster and create and expand upon on my own. You can take a lot of things from me. You can take my job from me, you can take my network from me, but you're not gonna take away the essence of who I am because I built to get there. So it's just, it's not like a pull the rug out from underneath of you, but I'm still standing because I still built those things. Right. And I hope that people understand that too. You can get your big break and that's great, but what happens when everything is taken from you? Then what are you left with? Yeah. So make sure you build the foundation pretty strong. Okay, so this one has been a long time coming and I'm excited to announce the launch of my new company, World Class Media. I've been doing podcast coaching and consulting for individuals and businesses for the last couple of years and over the last few months, I just haven't been able to keep up with the requests. So in order to serve more people, I've decided to stop taking on coaching clients and start an agency that creates a done-for-you podcasting solution as well as monthly production and repurposing services. So if you are a business owner, coach, consultant, entrepreneur, real estate investor, whatever it may be, then a podcast should be the most powerful business development tool in your arsenal. Imagine having something that is constantly engaging your ideal client, even when you're sleeping, or that allows you to connect with the top people in your industry to build your network and establish credibility, or that allows you to help listeners that are currently outside of your sphere of influence, or that helps you get book deals or speak on more stages or create content once that we can repurpose and distribute across all the platforms for you. That is the power of a world-class podcast that's done the right way. So if you're interested in starting a show, but you just don't have the time, the resources, or desire to figure out all the tech stuff, the hosting, the equipment, the platforms, the production, then you just focus on what you do best, which is serving your clients 
and running your business. And then let my team focus on what we do best, which is creating world-class chart-topping podcasts. Let's at least hop on a call and chat about it because I'm fairly picky with the people that I work with. And I only work with people who I genuinely think are going to be able to absolutely crush it with a new show. So head over to travischapel.com slash make my podcast. That's travischapel.com slash make my podcast. And we'll chat real soon. The, the belief that everything's going to work out okay in the end is where I think a lot of confidence comes from, and you obviously portray that. Um, but it, it's not just like a, a good thing to portray that so that people have that energy from you. It's literally the thing that allows you to make the decisions that are necessary for you to be able to continue doing what you do, right? Which we'll get into a little bit more of like your, the career uh, switches that happen uh, through different commentaries that you put out there into the world that obviously weren't popular with the people that were you know giving you the platform that you had, but you were just like, this is how I feel about it. You know, you portray that confidence, and at the end, at the end of the day, seem to work out okay, right? <laughs> yes. So um, it's working. Yeah. So, so okay. So one American News. You start working there. As you said, you wanted just an internship. So obviously right. it turned into more than that. What happened? It did. There? I did a screen test, but I also uh, had the opportunity to speak to the owner and talk about politics and everything that I had done up to that point. Um, and I, I'm pretty good in conversation. I feel like I, I portray a confidence that was well beyond my 21 years of life. Yeah. <laughs> but he offered me the opportunity to host my own show and I jumped at it. This was two months before I graduated UNLV. So I went back to Vegas, I finished up the last couple of months and then I packed up and, and moved to San Diego. And by the way, I'd never been to California prior to that. Prior to oh, that interview, really? I'd never been to wow. California. Four years at UNLV and yeah. you never crossed the border into nope. California. Wow. No, nope. I never crazy. had a desire to. Yeah. But I moved and it was just make it happen, make the show work. And it was a lot of hard work and it was, I always wrote everything myself. I never had anybody help me with that. And to this day, that's exactly how I am. I write everything for myself. I What's mean, that like? <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's it's free. It's freedom. You know, it's yeah. it's putting in the work, but it's it's true freedom when you really cultivate your own voice. Yeah. Off so, topic here. How was San Diego? Oh, I love San Diego. I learned a lot in San Diego. It was a great place to be. I was there for a little over a year, okay. and then I kind of just topped out at where I was. Gotcha. Um, this that's was a right, scary place to be, huh? Like twenty two, twenty three. That's the scariest place when you kind of feel like you've. When you don't know what you want to do next, to me that's always where I've, I'm most apprehensive is when I don't know the next mountain I want to climb. Yeah. But I knew that I had kind of outgrown my surroundings there. I knew that I could keep doing what I was doing and make a good good paycheck for my age mm -hmm. and stay where I was. But it was just, it was too comfortable and I wasn't growing. And so when the opportunity presented itself to go and start a new adventure in Dallas with the Blaze, I was going to take that because I, you know, it was scary and unfamiliar. I'd never been to Dallas. I'd never been to Texas. Mm. But it was a new opportunity to grow, and I think you just always have to take those. Yeah, so how did that opportunity come about? I, you know, I had a, a few viral moments, a few uh, final thoughts, uh, which I still carry. That's what my show was on Fox Nation is final thoughts, but final thoughts were always the last segment of my, segment of my hour-long show. Was that something that you came up with? Yeah. Yeah, so that was just my final thoughts. Um, a lot of people do a monologue at the top. I always did mine at the end. They were my final thoughts. Uh, the reason I did that was very strategic because the way the ratings worked, especially with the way my boss looked at them at One America, was how many people are watching through the program. Mm. So if you do a monologue at the top and that's what you're known for, people might tune out after that. I did mine at the end so people would watch to the end to see my final thoughts because I knew they were my most popular segment. I knew my commentary was the most popular thing. And so I had a couple viral moments with that. And 
started getting some name recognition, things started to kind of build up for me. So that's where the first like viral video you ever had was when you were at One America? Yes, okay. yes, after the Chattanooga terrorist attacks. I okay. kind of went after uh, President Obama at the time. So how was that? Cause that most, was crazy to yeah, me. Yeah, mm -hmm. so most people, uh, you know, when a video goes viral, it's, it's very much a, like, it's a positive thing for everybody. Like everybody's happy about it. Like a, a few friends of mine have put out viral stuff, right? Mm -hmm. And it's like, oh yeah, like high five, you put out something viral, cool. And uh, when you put out something viral, it comes with a package of a big like <laughs> bottle of hate, right? So talk to me about like yeah. the first time where you started like reading through some stuff and you're like, oh my goodness, these people are like actually hating me. How did that, how did that whole situation unfold? I think I had a little bit of a dose of it just all the way through, just being a conservative. I think that was the time, and when those came out, that was during, that was leading up to the 2016 election. This was yeah. 2015, so things were heating up, a things were intense. Unrest, you yeah, might so say. I mean, yeah. I was used to that environment. So, um, and those, when I went after Obama, um, I actually had a lot of support for that. It was very military focused, and so there wasn't as much hate in, in that commentary as, of course, now I get when I talk about other things. But going viral is something I never, I never planned to do it. I didn't put it out there. Someone else took a segment of my show that I did every single night, five days a week, and they recorded it and put it out there. So I was stunned when it went viral because that wasn't something I was trying to do. Um, but I knew when I did it that it was powerful. Um, and I knew that it would get a reaction. I just didn't think it was going to be a viral reaction. But then after that, it was some people then when they get the viral bug, then everything they want to go viral in everything that they do. So I get that a lot from people. They say, oh, well, are you saying these things to purposely be controversial and polarizing and make people mad so you can get attention and go viral? The answer is no. Uh, if I were to be someone like that and I were to do that for the purpose of going viral, I would have had 15 minutes of fame and then I would have been done. Because when you start taking the passion out of it, you start taking the work out of it, and you start taking the authenticity out of it, that's when you're going to fail every single time. My intent, and anything I do is not to go viral. It's just to be from the heart, to be passionate. I talk about things I'm passionate about. I don't need to create them. I don't need to engineer it. This is how I am. This is what I believe. I believe very strongly in a, in a set of things. And when I talk about those things, they're probably going to go viral. And it's not because I'm saying things that are necessarily just because they're controversial. Yes, that's part of it. But it's also because you can feel the passion that I'm speaking with. Yeah. And it's very easy to be a shock jock. And there's a lot of people that have tried to do it since. They want to go viral. Yeah. They want to imitate this career that I've built. But you, you see it's kind of hollow because they're doing it to make money. They're doing it to be famous. They're doing it to go viral. Yeah. They're not doing it because they feel it deep within their is. bones. Yeah. And, you, and that's the thing. People can love me or hate me. As long as they know that I'm being authentic, that is the most important thing. And people are still going to say that it's not. Sure. I know who I am. People are going to call me names. I know who I am. It really doesn't bother me anymore. I. But it had to at first. It really, quite honestly, didn't. Really? No. I've always had a very strong sense of self. Hmm. So if I'm saying something and people, especially because if people are criticizing me for my intelligence, sometimes it hurts a little bit. Yeah. When fellow conservatives criticize my intelligence, that's what really actually bugs me yeah. because I know that I'm not unintelligent. Yeah. Um, but when people say, oh, you're this, or they call me names, or they say disgusting, horrible things about me, I have to respect you to respect what you say about me. Mm. If you're calling me a nasty name, if you're calling me outside of my name, if you're labeling me something that I'm not, it doesn't affect me because I know who I am. Yeah. 
And I think if more people had that confidence in themselves, then they wouldn't worry about validation from everybody else all the time. Young people now, especially with social media, they are so worried about their likes, their comments, their retweets, their views, that is where they get the validation. Yeah. And if someone says just one thing mean about them, they could say a hundred nice things, but that one person that says that one mean thing can just completely devastate them. Yeah. And that's not freedom to me. Yeah. Freedom to me is being able to look at it, take the good with the bad, not let my head swell when people say great things, and not let me be completely shattered when people say horrible things. Yeah. There's a balance there that I've been able to find through doing this for several years and having yeah. several moments of controversy well, along yeah. the way. Uh, props to you, yeah. <laughs> props to you for keeping a level head the majority of the time because uh, I feel like I would lose it on some people with some of the things that they say. But anyway, okay, so you have the first one that goes viral, um, and then now the blaze just reaches out to you out of the blue. Like, how did you feel about that, knowing that they just turned you down for an internship like a year <laughs> in the two Well, I was gonna work for free and now you're gonna pay me, so I felt pretty good about it. <laughs> it was, pretty, was it like a, like, ha-ha, like a justifying yeah. moment well, of... it was a little yeah. bit. It was just, I think this is the next step and yeah. this is the, is a new opportunity. And it's like this you is can't again. ignore me any longer. Like, yeah, and it was just like they, I was wanted and you know, people took notice of what I was doing and it was a new challenge and I always like new challenges. Anytime something, uh, I would rather go in and build something, like I've said, from the ground up than to walk into something that's already built. I think that there's something exciting about that. So that was the next opportunity to build my own show again and that's exciting. It's going to take a lot of work but I found that next peak. It's like, okay, now I know the next thing I want to do yeah. and I feel peace with that. I feel peace in knowing what's the next thing I need to work hard at. So you're only at One America for a year. Before. A little over a year, yep. Okay, gotcha. So you were there for a year, then you jump at the opportunity to do this thing that really was essentially your dream job, right? To, to work at the Blaze like with Glenn Beck and do well, all that Well, let's be clear. Stuff. The dream job is always Fox News. But okay. yes, that was Got the it. next step in the progression. Because I knew that I wasn't going to jump here yet. Yeah. I knew that I needed more training Another and more Another stepping growth. stone. Yeah, exactly. So... Um, I, I, I enjoyed the fact that this was the next, and I, didn't, I never looked at the blaze as a stepping stone. I think that people also get caught up in that where they're like, that same thing, like, this isn't where I wanna be, that's where I wanna be, but this is gonna get me there. No, everything I go into, I go into really for the long haul. I'm gonna do it until, and I'm gonna do it until I've reached the potential I can reach there and I need to do something else challenging. I never look at something as just like, oh, well, this is just gonna get me to this place. It's no, this is, this is where I'm gonna be until I hit the ceiling, yeah. and then the, where's the next ceiling? But that was um, where I was, and I was in the midst of the 2016 election, so it was really exciting for this industry, and I was really able to, again, chart a course that was interesting and new, and it was fun. That was one of the funnest times was during that election. Yeah, what are some of like the biggest lessons that you learned during that time? Like, Has there ever been a time where you put something out and you're like, ah, oh, maybe I shouldn't have said it that way, or maybe I shouldn't have done it that way, but you know, I, the, the message still ring, rings true, mm -hmm. but maybe I should have like gone about it a different way. Are there any big lessons or takeaways that you had from that time period? I think we always have to learn, and there are times now even where there's something that I want to say or I want to tweet and I have to kind of hold myself back a little bit and think, is this worth the backlash it's gonna get? Not that I don't mean it, but is it worth the backlash? Is it worth disrupting my piece right now to say it? And if it's not, I don't say it. You almost put it through like a filter, like uh, a quick like I, I, 10 filter minute a little filter bit. It's just like, like yeah. I always just weigh the benefit and the consequence to right. the things that I say, and sometimes I don't. And I've, I've been guilty of that before where I've said, I mean, there's to me really only 
two times in my career. Other people will probably say, what about this? What about this? What about this? I don't apologize for this, this, or this. But there's a couple of things that I have said where I was like, hey, that needed more clarification. It didn't come out right. That tweet was not worded the way I should have worded it. There's been instances like that, and you have to learn and grow from them. And you have to learn to apologize when you do say things that go out of bounds or that the, the, um, the intention doesn't match the result. So, and I apologize for those, and I have no problem doing so. Yeah. But you just learn from them, and, and you learn, you know, what's, what's worth disturbing the peace and what's not. Yeah, right. But there were, you know, a couple of times at the blaze that that happened. Um, people know I'm very passionate about law enforcement. I was in Dallas, Texas when we had the massacre of our officers. That hit me very, very hard. That was um, a real turning point in my career. I've always been for military and law enforcement, but when, when I felt that in that city, that hit me a different way. Yeah. So now I do even more with law enforcement. Um, it's just, it kind of just cultivated something in me. And then that, coupled with the 2016 election, obviously my final thoughts on Colin Kaepernick when I was at the Blaze, um, was ringing on my personal Facebook page at around 75 million views before I was forced to delete them. Obviously this is the time where you're getting a lot of notoriety, things that are Opportunities, I'm sure, start presenting themselves like mad when you start seeing that type of um, that type of distribution, viewership in that short of period of time. Um, can you talk to me about like what that did for like your personal life, your personal relationships, or hmm. like were people at that point trying to jump in and like you know exploit or you know like jump in and you know ride your coattails up or? Mm, yeah, people are always going to try to do that. For me, I just kind of realized the impact of my life changing to where I've never thought of myself as a celebrity. I've never thought of myself as anything like that. But that's when it really started changing in the 2016 election where I was getting a lot of, and it wasn't just the election, it was the Kaepernick video. Year prior to that, I had the Beyonce Super Bowl uh, final thoughts that you know my voice was sampled in a Jay Z song. So there were moments where things. That's how you, know you made it right there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and um, it wasn't in a in a good way. But that's when you know they they started coming after me really hard, and yeah. life started to change a little bit. They started to go after my family. They started leaking personal information, you know, addresses, stuff like that out. And that's when I also started realizing that it was going to impact the people around me, and the way people treat me is going to change, and it did. Um, it did because now I always have to be cautious and careful who I, if I post a picture with somebody, sometimes they want me to tag them and then I tag them and they're like, people are hating on me. They're calling me names. Can you please take that down? You know, it, it starts to change or I, when I was in Dallas, which is still kind of a sheltered environment compared to where I live now, just being in Dallas and being with my friends and either people would come up to want to take pictures or people would want to come up to say really horrible, awful things. But when you're with a group of friends who don't do what you do, it started to hit me a little different because I was like, kind of almost like, uh, I feel different now. Yeah. I feel like I'm different. I don't feel different because I don't feel like I'm any better, or any worse or any different than anybody else. But the way I'm treated is different and it impacts people around me differently. So people I, actually came up to you in public and would time. like do just a bunch of mean stuff. All the time. And or sometimes it'd just be people that are very nice. I was in Dallas. So yeah. a lot of conservatives yeah. come up, hey, can I take a picture with you? And they'd want to talk. And I started realizing that it impacted my friends. Yeah. And I would actually just kind of excuse myself because I didn't want to ruin anybody else's time. Yeah. I didn't want to take anybody else's attention. I didn't want people to look at them or them feel uncomfortable because people were looking at them or looking at me. So I kind of just 
dismiss myself. Mm. And that's when I started realizing things were changing a little bit. Yeah. After going to the inauguration in DC, which you think would have been a really wonderful event, as is a president that I feel like my videos really did help to elect. And it should have been a really great time, but it was also a very violent time in our country. Mm. I experienced kind of violence firsthand when I was in DC for that. Um, I had never been, I've traveled all around the country doing speeches, doing other events. It wasn't until then, and walking around DC, that was after the inauguration, which was violent, and the Women's March, which was violent, when I started realizing, like, I can't walk out in crowds alone anymore. Wow. I can't, if I'm going to go into a city, what I used to love to do was just walk around and explore. Mm. When I used to come to New York, it'd be like, let me walk the whole thing. Like, I want to walk from way down to Central Park, all the way to, the, to Times Square. That was exciting to me. Learn new places. Yeah. And that's when it really hit me after that election was like, I can't do this anymore because it's actually dangerous now. So now that's my new, my, my new normal. I just know, like, you just can't do those things anymore. Yeah. And that changes you a little bit. Yeah, I was going to say, I was that type. Well, it just changes when you're from, because I still think of myself as I'm just a girl from South Dakota. I'm very average. I'm, I'm, I do things that are not average, but I, I still feel very much like, hey, I'm just a girl from South Dakota, you know? So it's weird when people see you or they have a, a reaction to you. Yeah, that's, when you're in an that's the crazy part. The, like, just the physical presence of somebody can, can like fuel that much hatred to actually go up to them and like do like physical acts of violence or yeah. like say, uh, it's, it's mind blowing to me. I won't go to an airport without a hat on, even that's not super helpful. But I just have, I've had a lot of instances, I'm sure people will see when I went to Minnesota, I think it was almost two years ago now with my parents. Um, I was doing a show there and I brought my parents along and we were at brunch and someone threw water on me and then it went viral. Um, and that was horrible. And yeah, it, when I was with my parents, you know, yeah. things like that. Right. I've had a lot of instances in LA. What do, what, do, what do friends and parents and people like that do in those situations? It seems like I, yeah. I, I'm I'm a new dad and I have a son yeah. now and uh, I would I would I would lose I'll lose my shit. Yeah, <laughs> my, my mom my almost started to, but my parents also know and everybody around me also knows. As much as I want everyone to like stick up for me, I always tell them no reaction is the best reaction unless yeah. I'm in physical danger, which has happened before. If I'm in physical danger, please somebody yeah. watch my back. Yeah. But don't give people don't reactions. Don't just video it. Yeah, yeah, because people <laughs> want the reaction. They want to see me fly off the handle because they think that like my commentaries when I do my final thoughts and I'm talking about something I'm passionate about, yeah. they think if they do something horrible to me that they're going to spur that kind of reaction. Yeah. I'm not going to give it to them. I've been at a Kings game and had somebody literally pull my shirt back and dump a beer down my back. And it was a girl my age. This happens time and time again. It's wow. usually that. That's usually the suspect is somebody, that, a girl around my age. So I'm just used to it at this point, but no reaction is the best reaction. Mm. Don't give them what they're looking for. Just keep it pushing. And there's so many, so many lessons, so many takeaways <laughs> to to to, um, to go through here. But um, I would be remiss if I didn't go down this rabbit hole a little bit because this is called Build Your Network. We talk a lot about relationships, professional connections, and things like that. Um, can you talk to me about some of the more meaningful relationships that you've had in your career, maybe mentors or people that kind of like, you know, maybe noticed some of those things that you were going through and said, hey, this part of the game now, you know, here's what to do, and anything like that, any like sure. big meaningful type of relationships you had? I've never really had a mentor because I've always just kind of, it's, individuality has always been very important to me. I learn from people, but I learn more from observing. Okay. I, I learned the downfall of my former boss, Glenn Beck, by observing and watching what 
what was his downfall. And almost every time when I observe people and I observe either their success or their downfall, yeah. it all has to do with ego. Mm -hmm. It has to do with how they view themselves and how they view others. So I've always been very cognizant of that is do not, do not get a big head. Yeah. Trust me. I have been in that position many times where it's like, boy, this is a really exciting time. I feel, you know, you feel those feelings of fame and it's really hard to push them down because it's like, it's what you always wanted, right? Yeah. But I also know what comes with it for me. I'm not a, you know, a musician or an actress, so I'm going to get a lot of hate yeah, that comes right. with mine. So that fame, that fame and, is yeah, a little right. different for people like me. <laughs> yeah, sure. But I was at a time at the blaze after the 2016 election when I was the only person in that building that was a Trump supporter and President Trump just won the election. Mm. And I felt just validated and I felt just on top of the world. And things were great. And then I, you know, I was getting invited to go on and do uh, Bill Maher. Um, I was getting invited to go do The Date We Show with Trevor Noah. Yeah. Like those were big things all for somebody stuff. like me. What was one of the most fun moments for you? Like of all those types of shows and things that you were able to do? They're all fun to me. I enjoy them all. Yeah. Um, I was really excited to go on The View. Um, I was really excited to mix it up with those ladies. I had watched The View my whole life, really. really. I mean, I was nine years old when we'd have a snow day. I'd be home watching The View. Really? So those things are, <laughs> like, they mean a lot to me yeah. when I get to go on and, and do those things. It's yeah. like, that was really cool. And that was a moment where I was so excited to be on. I was really nervous it was going to go the way of The Daily Show to where it was going to be. Even, even though I had a good experience like a in The Daily Show. Like a me versus you type of Yeah, thing, but yeah. even then, like, Trevor and I had a good rapport after that. Yeah. You know, I, I don't have any bad feelings against Tre Trevor and the way that the public reacted there was a huge target on my back and that that kind of sucked mm, yeah. but I enjoyed my time on there but I felt like I was portrayed in a way that maybe wasn't necessarily very authentic and genuine yeah. it was very much like to make a mockery of me mm. and so I thought maybe that the view was going to turn out the same way so walking off set that day after going on the view I felt really good about it in fact I was like wow like I really got to be authentically me I feel like I really got to get out all the things I wanted to get out I felt very very good about it and then whew, yeah you yeah. know the walls close in and it was that's one of those things. That's why I'm always very careful now. I never get a big head. I always keep myself grounded. I like to think I've always kept myself very grounded, but mm -hmm. after going through what I went through with that experience, it's like... Can you talk a little bit more specific? Sure. Well, I mean, I went on The View. I mean, people, anybody who knows my story kind of knows this. I write about it in detail in my book. But I went on The View. I expressed an opinion I had expressed many times before that I am pro-choice because I believe in limited government, not because I'm pro-abortion, not yeah. because I'm not pro-life, but because I believe in limited government. Mm. I don't believe that the gov that's the government's place. Mm. I expressed that view, what I thought was very clearly, what I thought was just very authentic to my voice and myself, not yeah. something I'm ever going to apologize for. To this day, I will not. Yeah. And... I got fired for it. Yeah. And then I was faced with a big decision. It was... Was it more like a, like a backlash type of a fire? Like, yeah. I got to do something here. I can't just like no, do it. it or was, it was like, a, I very much disagree with that. You're gone. It was, I very much disagree with it. But it was, uh, I write about it in detail in my book. To me, it was much more an ego thing. It mm. was, you are getting too big for the network. You are surpassing the network's owner and creator. And gotcha. what are we going to do to knock you down a peg? Gotcha. Oh, we know. Yeah. will turn conservatives against you. Because mm. it's not working for the world to be against you. Right. But if we can turn the conservative community against you... Right. You have then, no place to go. Then, yes. Right. So that's what I very much think motivated that, the firing. Mm. But I had a choice. And I write about it in, in detail in my book because a lot yeah. of... And real quick, too. What's the name of the book? 
Never play dead. Never play which dead. Which is really my mantra. Go pick it up right <laughs> yeah. now. I always tell everybody who listens to my show, you know, if we mention a book, you have to go pick it up yeah. right now because if you wait, you won't do it. So go pick it up right now and, and, and support Tommy. Yeah, for I sure. detail a lot of the the other things that nobody ever really knew because I never really talked about it. Yeah, the very nitty gritty and the behind the scenes stuff there. But what happened with that was, you know, a lot of women face this and I'm not a feminist by any stretch of the imagination. Am I a feminist? But I will say a lot of women professionally, they might not get fired for going on The View and saying they're pro-choice, but you might be in a professional place where you have a choice whether you're going to fight something or whether you're going to shut up. Um, That might be in a, a relationship as well. And not just women, but everyone. I feel like women struggle with the confidence sometimes more so than men do. But really for anybody, I had a choice. I can either accept that I'm going to get paid and have to shut up for six months and just go into a dark hole. Or I can say, eh, something's wrong here. I got fired for stating a political opinion and I'm a political commentator. Something's wrong here. I'm going to fight this. And I chose to fight it because I knew it was wrong. And I was not going to lay down and play dead. Yeah. Did, did, they come up, did they come up to you and, and give you an opportunity to say like, all right, you know, we'll let you come back if you apologize or was nope. it very much like clean cut? I no. never even went back to the building. I have not been back to the building since. Wow. I was never even allowed to go near the building after in Dallas? my firing. Yep, I got back from New York. I went to go do my show Monday morning as I normally do. Was gonna address it fully because I had already heard everybody talking about it. So I was gonna fully address it. I was gonna say, this is what I mean. If I offended anybody, that wasn't my intention. Let me explain to you what I really meant if you guys took it the wrong way. I never got the opportunity to do that show that day because about an hour before I was supposed to go in, they called me and said, don't come, your show's canceled. You're wow. done. Wow. <laughs> it's a little bit of an overreaction, huh? <laughs> you think? So that was the choice. Yeah. And it was, okay. And the, the, I know that they underestimated me. They thought, oh, okay, well, we got her now. We We're, crushed her. Yeah, we crushed her now. We, we took away her show. Because well, people want to take credit for success. So I, this is something that, that I run into a, a, yeah. on a smaller scale, uh, obviously. But um, people, everybody that like touches your life, if you do something that's beyond ordinary, they, they, everybody wants to take a little bit of credit for it. And somebody like that, I would assume, would be like, would, would especially what you were saying about an inflated ego, get an inflated ego and be like, we made you. It's not even like, it wasn't even like a question of like, this is you. It's like, no, no, we are the people that like made who made, like made you the person that you are. Therefore we will now make you somebody else or whatever. Yeah, it was very much a just, I just never conformed. I never kissed the ring. And that was probably the biggest thing because I have never been that type of person. I've always been, polite, courteous, kind to everyone that I work with, but I was always gonna be my own person. I was always gonna do my own thing. I was always gonna let my work speak for itself, not my butt kissing. I've always just been that way. I've just never been that type of a person. I'm gonna work hard, I'm gonna be true to myself, and I'm gonna get in there and work, and I'll make you proud, and I'll do great things for your network and your business and whatever, but I'm gonna be me. But you know, after that point, it was just, I could have just gone, I could have collected my paycheck and just gone away for six months and just kinda, just let it ride, yeah. but I was not about to do that because I had to set the precedent. I had to set the precedent that you, you just don't do this to people. Right. You just don't. Um, I was especially in that world. Like right. this is that's the world where it sh- like is should not be. It should be encouraged. Right. Like you were literally like what you said. You were literally a political commentator, right. and you got fired for commenting on on politics. Right. Like I blow. It's insane. It blows my mind. And, and that's why I had to I had to fight it. And uh, you know they did everything that they could to bankrupt me, everything that they could to just run my legal fees through the roof, and they did. They did. 
That's great. You know, I, I, it was a really difficult time in my life because it's like yeah. the lawyer fees are building Brutal, yeah. and building and I am stuck now. And yeah. nobody wanted to touch me at that point either because it's like, hey, you're in the middle of a, now you're in the middle of a lawsuit. Yeah. Well, and like, he also holds a lot of power, right? Yeah, I mean, I think he overestimates his power. But, <laughs> you know, I couldn't get another job. Yeah. That was the biggest thing. It was I didn't want money from anybody. I just wanted to be released so I could go do something else. Like, if you guys don't want me, all right. Yeah. If I offended you and you don't like my political opinion on this subject, okay, great. I'll leave. We'll just we'll just call it even and I'll just go somewhere else. But mm. that's not what they wanted. What did they, they wanted want? to destroy me. They wanted mm. to delete the Facebook page that had 5 million followers and just delete it for no other purpose besides just to destroy me. Yeah. Just to destroy my career. That was your personal like yes. final thoughts or Tommy Laren yeah. or And I knew I had to delete their content. Yeah, sure contractually but yeah. they wanted to just delete the whole thing right that i right. had amassed and built on my own right um so that's what it's like you have to choose if you're gonna fight and, and, it, and it was sometimes it was always i was always gonna fight but it was always like ugh, like sometimes i'd be like why is this happening right and they would say horrible things about me and i kept my mouth shut i didn't say anything yeah not Again, a word major props to you for that because <laughs> i knew they'd use it against me you gotta yeah. be smart yeah. it, they wanted me to react so they'd say horrible things about me they would say that i did this that and the other i knew they were untrue they would say that i was mean to the crew and knew it was untrue they would say that i was a diva knew it was untrue and they wanted me to lash out and say something because then they could use it against me i was like i am not stupid yeah. i'm not going to do that yeah i'll have my time yeah. i'll speak my piece yeah. i'll write a book <laughs> but right now i'm gonna shut up yeah and because I know other people were watching too, who wants to hire the girl that like goes off the handle and starts just going nuts? Right, right. Nobody. So I was just going to keep my mouth shut, just do what I knew was right. It was really hard because they would say really horrible things about my character that I knew were untrue, that people believed and still believe to this day. But you just have to get over it because I just knew like it's not worth it. Don't yeah. lash out. Handle it the way it needs to, and it will work out because you are you are right. You are in the right. You did not do anything wrong. Right, right. I knew I didn't do anything wrong. So I knew it was hard because I'm at that point 24 years old, running up legal fills, legal bills in the hundreds of thousands of dollars yeah. at 24. Right. Going up That's, against somebody who has a lot more yeah, money than you do. A lot more yeah. money that never thought I would fight back, by the way. Right. It was always like, a, well, duh, she's 24 years old. Right. She doesn't have money. She's not going to, what is she going to do? Um, well, then they learned. <laughs> you teach people how to well, treat you. Right, right. So that was my lesson. <laughs> oh man, that's so funny. So uh, what's what's funny to me too is they obviously knew that the power came from the followers, mm -hmm. right? Well, that's why they're trying to shut down your entire personal brand, right? Because that's essentially what it is. It's a personal brand that that network was leveraging to right. bring in like viewership and revenue into their business, right? So you had built up this like celebrity style personal brand um, through your, you know, really good work on these various networks and things that you had. Um, but that's ultimately what every single network wants is viewers mm -hmm. and followers. And you Unless have your that. ego is bigger than your business sense, which is another thing because we are talking about building your network. Always remember, do not let your ego overtake your sensibilities. Do, do what's right for you, do what's right for your business, for your brand, for your network, for your family, for your friends, whatever, but don't do anything because of your fragile ego, because yeah. it will ruin you. I've watched it ruin somebody. Right. I learned from that, because I, I learned a lot from that experience, and I learned a lot to like what fame and money can do to a person and what ego can do to a person, mm -hmm. and I just never wanted to be in that Saw it position. Firsthand. Yeah, oh yeah. I watched it just destroy somebody alive. Like it could have, the opportunity that, that could have been done there, 
if ego hadn't gotten in the way, could have been something really spectacular. But ego got in the way, and so, so that's what happened. After that, obviously, a fairly dark time comparatively to what you were just coming off mm -hmm. of, right? You're coming off of a very, you know, very high time, like, a, you know, a mountaintop, yep. and then just get crushed down into the next valley, right? Mm -hmm. So what happens after that? What happens after that, I, the lawsuit is finally over. We settle. I mean, this is after. Were you, were you allowed to like put out content in the meantime, like not, personally? Not till the very end, okay. not till the very end. And then the, the Facebook page wasn't handed back to me until months after the settlement was even signed. That was another thing. Almost had to go back yeah. to court again because yeah. it wasn't handed over. But I was able to put out content after that. But in that, uh, for there's like uh, two months of time where I couldn't, I wasn't able to do anything. Um, nothing at all, wow. no content. So that was a rough time. Yeah. But after that, I started doing, when I finally got my page back, I started doing videos on my cell phone for my car. Yeah, right. Because it's 2018 or whatever yeah. it was at the time. Yeah, because right? yeah, like, I started doing, yeah, it was yeah. 2017 at the time. But yeah, I started doing videos for my car. Um, I did one, I, I mean, they were all averaging at least 2 million views from my car yeah. or from my bedroom. Or from people would make fun of me, like, oh, I'm like, I'm getting millions of views. You can make fun of me. Yeah, you're doing this from your parents' basement. People, yeah, people no. at networks making fun of you? No, people on social media, like, uh, okay. oh, look at you, like, you're unemployed and you're doing videos from your cars. Like, yeah, yeah and they're and look they who's got, watching. And they've got millions <laughs> like, of views. Yeah. I did yeah. one from my car about um, transgenders in the military. Mm -hmm. 26.5 million views yeah. from my car with yep. bad audio in the wrong orientation. So let's talk about that for a second because obviously I am a content creator. That's what we do. And you know, my business, we help people create content for their businesses to drive revenue and things like that. So um, you have obviously mastered the game of content creation and obviously you would not say that you've mastered it because you're continually learning and I get that, but you're at a very high level of content creation. So um, how do you know when you're creating something that you think is going to really do well and that um, like, do, do how, how do you measure your success while you create content, if that makes sense. Views to me are my biggest thing. That's my bread and butter is views. Um, Facebook being the big one, mm -hmm. but also Instagram. I've had a lot of success on Instagram too, just from posts. And then of course, Twitter is a vile, vile place, but still, um, I know when I put something out that's gonna, whereas I'm not, I mean, I do daily final thoughts on Fox Nation, which is our streaming platform. Mm -hmm. um, so those are daily there. And then every once in a while, I'll post them on my Facebook or Fox Nation will post them and then they get out to a wider audience or they'll go on foxnews.com and, and those things. I know the things that are gonna strike a chord. I know the things that are gonna, because I know what I'm passionate about. And I know when it comes through. Like I will do, sometimes I will do final thoughts and I do them from my home studio in LA, operating my own foot pedal, like in an extra bedroom. Yeah. And I will do them speaking just to a robo camera and my heart will be beating because I'm just so fired up. Usually it's when I'm talking <laughs> yeah. about immigration, but it's like, I'm very fired up about these things. Yeah, yeah. So I just, I know, and I spent a lot of time just going out in the field too. That's the, one of the great things that I've been able to do with Fox Nation and my show for them, my long form show, No Interruption. I've been able to go out and spend a lot of time with Border Patrol uh, doing, all the borders. I was just in Miami doing a Super Bowl security with 
Border Patrol and CBP mm. and seeing the behind the scenes there. Yeah. I get to have really interesting conversations with people. I know we mentioned you know, Theo Vaughn that's coming yeah. out in um, about a month or so here in Fox Nation yes. on my show. So a lot of interesting people I get to talk to. I got to sit down with the Wolf of Wall Street who yeah. lives about two miles from me in California. Yeah. Yeah, no, got to sit down with Jordan Belfort yeah. and do great discussions there. I get to learn from a lot of people yeah. and it goes up on our streaming platform which was something that I was really the first one in the door. That's kind of why I was hired on at Fox was to be a part of this platform before it was even a platform okay. and I wanted to be in the ground level because I said I, I know digital yeah. better than anybody else yeah. and I, I can say that confidently yeah. I know digital better than anybody else yeah. I know social media I know how to leverage it better than anybody else especially in a space where they were kind of like you know pre-2000s <laughs> thinking right right, right. yeah right. I mean it, it's just to me that was so exciting to me to hear yeah. that we were going to do a streaming platform because it's just that's just the opportunity to reach a whole new segment of people. So how did that come about? With, like they reached out to you, you reached out yeah, to them? Yeah, well, I mean, I joined Fox too. News after, after the lawsuit was over and you know, maybe my videos from my car might've caught some eyes. Um, the view totals might've caught some eyes, but I- And they didn't care about any of the, the, the history of the blaze and all that stuff? Um, no, I don't, no, I don't think so. Yeah. No, just I like just kept it. it above board and yeah. you know, I, like, oh, I couldn't whatever, help you know, I couldn't help happens. what had happened to me yeah, yeah I mean I couldn't help what had happened to me right. and this is me this is who I am yeah. they know who I am I think I've made it very clear to people who I am <laughs> but you know it was the opportunity to join Fox News was a big one it's you know that is really gras, in yeah. this in this business that's where you want to be yeah. you know and I was finally where I wanted to be and that was after going through a really really rough time yeah. so going through that really really rough time but then afterwards knowing, like I said, you can take everything from me, right. but if I still have a cell phone and a car or a broom or really anywhere, yeah. I can still do what I do. Right, right. That, was a, that was a big moment of proving things right. to it's myself. Not, it's not the you know, hundreds no, of the thousands fanfare. of dollars no. of, of equipment and lighting. No, and all that stuff is stuff. great, but yeah, if you don't right. have it, you can, I can still do it. Right. So I think that and was just- And do it very well. And do it and make something out of nothing. That's what yeah. I've always been able to do. I will make everything work. Yeah. There was, there's never been a point to me where I was like, I'm not gonna be able to do this. I yeah. will be able to do it because I'm just gonna persevere. So I joined Fox News and then it was about a year in the making doing uh, that I was there before we launched Fox Nation. Okay. So we're a little over a year into the streaming platform and um, growing it and- Enjoying it. Enjoying it, learning you know, a whole new world and showing people kind of a world that I've known for a long time, yeah. which is the streaming digital world and social media and how important it is and how important clips are and how important um, knowing your audience is. Yeah. That's something that I talk about a lot and I am really passionate about talking to people about, even if you don't do politics, it's knowing your audience, mm. cultivating an audience, tapping into an audience that other people haven't tapped into in a very unique way. Speaking my language, yeah. Yeah, that, I mean, that's everything. As you know, that's everything. Right. Yeah, man, uh, I say this so much and he makes fun of me because I say it all the time, uh, but uh, I, I could seriously talk to you for so much longer. There's so many different routes and paths that we can take this conversation. Uh, but I know we gotta gotta get wrapped up. I know you're super busy. Got a lot of other things going on. So, um, if you could put out one final video, like one final final thoughts, and you knew that everybody in the United States of America would see that video, what would be the message you would want to get across? If it wasn't a political message, 
Because I have a lot of political messages. Yeah, let's say it's not If it was not political at all, if it was not worrying about the dangers of socialism or illegal immigration, which are things that I think are very important. So if I had one last thing, yeah. I'd probably warn about yeah, the dangers you'd, you'd of those things. You'd probably touch on it for a second. I yeah. would, pro I would, well, I would, that was what I, what I would do. I'd warn this country about illegal immigration and socialism. Yeah. That would be my big thing if I had a one last thing, like warning everybody. Yeah. But if I were to do just a personal message to people, yeah. confidence is everything. Hmm. If you don't have it, fake it until you have it. Because you teach yourself. You teach people how to treat you, but you teach yourself how to treat yourself as well. And that confidence that you have, and that resiliency that you build, and that knowing that you're going to make it work, everybody has that. No matter what color you are, no matter what, what you grew up with, no matter where you grew up, no matter how much money you have, no matter the education that you have, the background you have, the religion that you practice, everybody should have a confidence in themselves and an ability to speak their mind and do so confidently. Never apologize for what you believe in. Never apologize for your value set. You can grow, you can learn, you can change, but never apologize for the process and never apologize for what you believe. And never let anybody tell you that it's worth less than what other people believe because it's not as popular. Mm. It's, that's untrue. So stand your ground, and it's the title of my book, but never play dead. Just never do it. If you know you're, if you know you're in the right and you know you have good intentions, then fight like hell because it's worth it. It will always be worth it. Great place to leave off. Tommy, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Everybody that's watching, listening, go pick up a copy of Tommy's book, Never Play Dead. If you want to find her on any social media, literally just type in four letters, T-O-M-I, and it'll just be <laughs> auto-populated with everything that she's ever done. And probably so, a lot of really yeah. nasty stuff, too. <laughs> yeah. Really horrible yeah, things about me, but uh, yeah. it won't uh, be hard. Yeah. <laughs> they'll, they'll prioritize that on Google, trust me. <laughs> but you can find me if you're looking yeah. for me. <laughs> Perfect. So go check out some of Tommy's stuff. Reach out and say what's up. Even if you disagree with her politically, which I know some of you definitely do, reach out and just say, look, doesn't matter if we disagree, I support you and I appreciate everything that you put out because that's what it's like to be a human being and be a better human being. All right, cool. So, Tommy, thanks so much for coming to the show today. Seriously, I had a blast chatting with Thank you. Thank you. Vegas strong, right? Yes, ma'am. Well, that's it for this episode of World Class. World Class is hosted by me, Travis Chappell, and produced by Eric Skorzynski. It is a world-class media production. At World Class Media, we produce top-rated podcasts for seven to nine-figure entrepreneurs, executives, real estate investors, and content creators. So if you want your own show, you have the budget to create one, but you just don't have the time or the team to figure it out, then go to travischapel.com slash podcast. That's travischapel, C-H-A-P-P-E-L-L.com slash podcast. And let's chat to see if we'd be a good fit to work together. Thanks so much for joining us. Until next time, peace out and stay world-class. Thank you.